Welcome to the Smart Connector, a podcast for entrepreneurs who put people first. If you haven't done so already, hit that subscribe button to make sure you never miss an episode. In our podcast, we'll be looking at the power of authentic connection and how it can build your business success. We feature interviews with leading entrepreneurs and offer strategies to bring power to all your relationships, including the one you have with yourself. Be a smart connector to the architect of your amazing business and life. In this podcast, I'm going to look at how expressing empathy and being vulnerable are the most powerful communication skills we can use to deepen intimacy and bonds of connection with others. Our brains are hardwired to seek an escape from pain, whether it's our own or someone else's. As emotions are contagious, this often means that those who are at a happy and successful point in their lives easily attract friends and followers, whilst those who are struggling find themselves curiously alone. Of course, some people, and I hope you have at least one of these in your life, will stick around through through thick and thin, but you'll find most people won't. And this means when you or others bounce back, your relationships often won't. During the time I've struggled, for example, when I was going through my cancer treatment, I noticed that supporting others can be too much of a stretch for even the most well-intentioned family members, colleagues or friends. Without properly thinking it through or having the right tools in their kit, we often get scared that other people's problems are going to affect us too. As a result of this, people tend to either withdraw completely when problems arise, give unwanted or unsolicited advice, or employ the equally unhelpful tactic of sympathy. This compounds the the isolation that the struggling person feels and makes them less willing to share their difficulties. It's really a huge missed opportunity to deepen connection and transform our level of intimacy with another human being. As most humans experience ups and downs, highs and lows, it's the people who stick with us consistently that we develop long-term bonds of trust and loyalty with. These relationships, and they can be business or personal, turn out to be the most rewarding ones over time. These people are the ones we can rely on and turn to no matter what happens in life, and they can turn to us in the same way. These are genuinely deep, intimate relationships that lift us higher, the type that enrich our lives, sometimes for life. The truth is, we all struggle at times, but with the right encouragement and support, we can bounce back from literally anything, become wiser, more empowered and peaceful as a result of life's lessons, instead of becoming hard and embittered. So how can we be that person that others open up to and how can we learn to open up to them in return? The answer is to embrace the communication tools of empathy and vulnerability. Emotional intimacy is the greatest reward for us being alive. There's no point in achieving wealth or success if you don't have others to share it with. What a privilege it is to bring your innermost dreams, desires, aspirations and fears to another human being and how rewarding it is for them to share theirs with you. This really is the most powerful way to build trust and acceptance, which truly is at the heart of connection. Authentic connection puts a deposit into what Stephen Covey calls the emotional bank account. This can later be withdrawn in the form of time, attention, favours, money and love from others. I would hate you to deny yourself its unique and glorious privilege. Neuroscientists have demonstrated that in addition to seeking escape from pain, 
We're hardwired for empathy, social cooperation and mutual aid. We have built-in brain circuitry that makes us try to understand how another person is feeling and to feel alongside them. These circuits don't always get stimulated though when we're stressed or rushed, which of course is a typical scenario these days. However, biologists have also discovered that we're social animals who have naturally evolved to care for each other just like our, our primate cousins. They found that empathy doesn't stop developing in childhood, but can form throughout our lives. So if we want to, all of us can switch it on and make it a daily practice, enriching not just our own lives, but that of everyone around us. It takes a conscious choice to switch on empathy. This is partly because we haven't been trained to understand or make sense of our feelings. If we don't know how to check in emotionally with ourselves, it's going to be hard for us to check in emotionally with others. If we haven't learned to honour our intuition and inner wisdom, we're unable to tell when it's safe to open up to another. So when we witness pain in others, we tend to fall into the role of judging and advising, or we withdraw and don't open up at all. This leads to the epidemic of loneliness we see in our society. It's common for marriages, for example, to become emotionally and physically sterile, with each partner leading a life of quiet desperation, as 19th century American philosopher Henry David Thoreau once famously put it. What a shame, as it really doesn't have to be this way. The only way to get close to another person is by consistently sharing your desires, innermost feelings, pain and triumphs. Through this, you become vulnerable to them. And being vulnerable is the best way to sustain physical and emotional chemistry for the long term. Before we explore vulnerability in more detail, I'd like to discuss pity or sympathy and why this actually gets in the way of connection. We need to understand the difference between pity and empathy. Empathy is an act of generosity. It involves putting yourself into someone else's shoes, standing shoulder to shoulder with them and showing them you're on their side. Empathy creates a bridge or connection to others through you sharing aspects of your own experience so the other person doesn't feel alone with theirs. Pity or sympathy in contrast is shallow outside-in behaviour. It's like being a spectator of someone's misfortune and identified that their misfortune sucks. Pity is a bit like the way we feel when we see magazines that catch celebrities at their worst, like when they've been overeating and grown wobbly thighs, or when they've been caught staggering out of a nightclub drunk with a badly ripped dress and a grim-faced boyfriend trailing behind. Pity gloats at someone else's misfortune and reminds you of your superiority in comparison. Thank God that's not me is the underlying thought. Pity requires no compassion or commitment to act or support another person and it's received by the person it's directed at as a suggestion they're weak and helpless, which is of course why they don't like it. So sharing your own experience and feelings is how empathy is built in contrast. This makes you vulnerable to another person, which sets up a dynamic of reciprocity. You don't try to fix them. You don't give advice. You don't say how terrible it must be to be them. You don't need to do or say anything to practice empathy. All you need to do is listen, giving time and attention to help the person who's struggling and offer examples in your own life irrelevant of when you felt the same way or struggled with the same issues. How many of us could spare a few minutes of our time to do something as simple as and as rewarding as this? So empathy is a great tool for building social and emotional capital and it's a habit that you can practice with many people. Identifying with what they're going through by referencing your own experience isn't that hard really. Here's how you can develop a habit of empathy in your own life. 
First of all, develop your own emotional literacy. In other words, get into the habit of talking about your feelings. When you first talk about your feelings, especially if you're male, you may struggle to describe them. Many of us have got the idea that it's risky to talk about or admit to certain feelings. But if you don't talk about yours, they can spill over into unhelpful behaviours instead. So talking about your feelings releases them and stops them from hijacking your life. If another person is a source of some negative feelings for you and you feel you can't talk to them, talk to someone else who you trust instead until you're ready and able to talk to the person you're struggling with. Never suffer in silence. If you can't express your own feelings, you really won't be able to deal adequately with someone else's. It will actually block empathy. You'll need to practice vulnerability too as it doesn't come easily to most people. But others won't open up to you unless you show them the way by being open with them. Remove your mask and reveal your true self to them. Remember that trust is built on mutual understanding and an exchange of thoughts, beliefs and experiences. It's hard for some of us because we're used to hiding behind small talk and our safe one-up space. The best way to do this, therefore, is to practice telling the truth about yourself to people you trust. The more you do that, the easier it is for others to share their thoughts and feelings with you. Who are you speaking to on a daily basis, honestly, about your fears, your feelings, your triumphs, frustrations, hopes, dreams and plans? If the answer is no one, you're going to be out of shape from a connection perspective. Your ability to empathise with others will be limited. When people hear the word vulnerable, they often perceive it as a negative. I asked some friends and colleagues what vulnerable meant to them and the answers that came back were the opposite of strong. They were weak, easily exploited, unprotected, a victim, at risk of harm. If we fail to protect ourselves or are unprotected by others, we're vulnerable. Let's start by defining vulnerability in a different way. Vulnerability can also be courage. You can't be courageous without being vulnerable because courage requires you to own up to your fears and transcend them. So vulnerable is emotional owning up to and revealing your innermost feelings to others. In that context, if you believe vulnerability is weakness, you'll therefore also believe that having and expressing emotions is weak. This is something that men in particular have historically been confused about, resulting in a comparatively higher levels of addiction and destructive behaviours and even divorce. So it's really no surprise that in the male-dominated world of business, vulnerability is often dismissed as dangerous or simply irrelevant. The problem with perceiving vulnerability as weak, dangerous or irrelevant is that it denies us the joy of human connection. Without vulnerability, we can't have empathy for or connect at a deep level with other human beings. We remain distant and isolated. Because we're hardwired to be social creatures, this has profound consequences for us in terms of loneliness and lack of validation for our innermost selves. This in turn leads to poor social outcomes and the conditions of depression and anxiety. One of the reasons people struggle so much at work is because of this. They're not given permission to be vulnerable, to have and express emotions that conflict with the bigger agenda of their partners or organisation. They're expected to act like cogs in a smoothly efficient wheel, which might work for machines, but it's totally at odds with the way that real human beings function. At the risk of repeating myself, I'd like to emphasize again that the 
route to happiness and fantastic mental health is having deep and intimate connections with others. And we never have to limit our supply of this. What vulnerable connection allows us to do is to speak our truth to others, but to be heard without judgment and accepted and loved for the person we truly are. With our imperfections, mistakes, shortcomings, fears and worries there for others to see. It's messy, yes, but there's no better way. If vulnerability sounds scary for you, you should remember that you don't have to go around revealing your intimate thoughts and feelings on social media or to everyone you meet. There are people you don't trust or know with whom you'll choose not to be this open with. But you ideally need several people in your life with whom you can share your true self with. Cultivating a habit of vulnerability with people who accept you just as you are is truly the best way to feel happy and loved. Being vulnerable means dropping the facade of perfection. It means being willing to admit to our mistakes, fears and flaws. It means sharing the joys and the triumphs too. Far too often we discount our progress and achievements, meaning they go unnoticed and uncelebrated by ourselves or others. We need to be seen and heard for the things we do right as well. Vulnerability isn't about being mean, spiteful or critical of others and venting to someone who will listen. The focus has to be firmly on you for its power to work. When you're being vulnerable, you're expressing your true fears, triumphs, dreams, mistakes and lessons in life. The person you're being vulnerable to has to put judgment, criticism or advice to one side for the intimacy between you to deepen. They'll need to understand you and listen to you with unconditional acceptance and empathy, which means identifying aspects of their experience that resonate with yours. For this reason, friends and family are not always the best, best people to be vulnerable with. Uneducated and untrained, they'll often bring their own agenda into your discussions and start giving advice. If you feel you don't have anyone you can be vulnerable with, you can invite someone you trust to practice with you. I'm actually starting a research program that is helping people develop more vulnerable and authentic ways of relating to one another, as well as develop their skills of empathy and rapport. So watch this space as I'll be sharing the results with you soon. To develop more empathy, all you have to do is listen without judgment to others and with your full and undivided attention. Don't change the subject or interrupt them while they're opening up to you. Focus entirely on them and don't allow your thoughts to wander. If they're talking about a situation that's bothering them, reply with words that identify their feelings and gives you permission to go deeper, such as, you sound upset, that must be really frustrating for you. You can also validate their experience by recalling an identifying situation that you've had too. For example, you might say, when I first spoke in front of an audience, I remember feeling terrified too. I even shook with fear the first time and I'm sure everyone saw it. Over time though, I became more confident. It definitely got easier with practice. Or, when my children were small, I can remember feeling really desperate for a break too. I know how tough it can be as a single parent. Or, when I first started as an entrepreneur, I felt I was surrounded by experts who knew what they were doing. But then I realized everyone has to start somewhere and that I should be proud of simply giving it a go. Hopefully you get the idea. Keep empathy in your mind as a goal and opportunities to use it will open up to you. In time you'll get better and better at it and your relationships will become stronger and more rewarding as a result. What could be better? I hope you've enjoyed this podcast on empathy and vulnerability and I wish you every success in deepening and enriching your relationships in business and life. 
Don't forget you can get in touch with me via social media on my website www.janebaylor.com or elsewhere on Facebook, LinkedIn or by email. See you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Smart Connector podcast. I invite you to follow me on social media or go to www.janebaylor.com to book a discovery call and learn about our exciting mentorships, masterminds and retreats. I look forward to seeing you on the next episode.